You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts here with my friend and colleague, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? I am awesome, Wendy. Always great to see you. Yes, I am excited about this week's topic because we keep hearing so many different instances of things that are occurring in our youth athletes, as well as our senior population and everything in between. And so today we're going to really focus and talk about leading causes of death that impact, you know, basically what physical activity can do to help you live longer, have a more uh, fun and outgoing and just all the things that you want to do in your life. You want to be able to move well and feel great. And we're going to talk about some of the the diseases and issues that are occurring still. Um, And unfortunately, we're seeing the numbers rise. However, with education and understanding things that you can do to help maybe decrease the chances of these diseases, that's what we're going to discuss. Yeah. And I think with when it comes to causes of death, and as we're talking about heart disease in the heart, again, one of the most actually you can't do anything without your heart as we as we've focused on you know other episodes as far as the importance of cardiorespiratory cardiovascular training and making that a focus of you know how you might you know uh look at okay what what are we focusing on today what's our workout going to entail how are we going to monitor the intensities but when it comes to the heart again if you're a personal trainer listening to uh, random fit. First of all, thank you for listening. It, it is it is one of those things that when you're doing the health and medical history, um, we're not just looking at the history of our clients, right? There is definitely a genetic component. So if we're talking to our clients about, okay, you know, what kind of genetic background do you come from? Do you have, I mean, and this isn't just about when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, any, any history of, 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 stroke, heart attack, uh, diabetes, things like that, cancer, um, there is an environmental focus as well, as or as, uh, I'll say an influence, because there's genetics, there's what you're given, right? You got to pick your parents for that one. But there's also how you live your life that's going to, that's going to influence how your genes express themselves in the form of disease and, and things like cancer. So if you're a personal trainer, listening to us, these are the, some of the things that you might want to tap into, not might want to tap into, that you want to tap into when it comes to conversing about, okay, who is this person in front of you? And what are the things that we're trying or that we can influence when it comes to incorporating exercise into their daily lives? And, and Wendy, and I think this is, this is going to be one of those that as we go through this episode, and as we finish, you know, hopefully, we'll inspire people to the fact that, hey, you know, your, your body's going to do what it does, but there are things that you can do to, to, to influence how well it does it or for how long. Yeah. And, and the first thing we're going to talk about is the number one, unfortunately, the number one killer, I hate to say that word, um, of death or one that leads to death. And it's when we're talking about coronary artery disease. And so basically heart health. And to your point, Ken, you know, when you're looking at, you know, um, we'll call it, you know, heart attacks, like what can we do to present, prevent those? Well, like you said, you know, we've talked about 
doing different types of cardio training, increasing our heart rate, have vigorous exercise as well as steady state type exercises. But, you know, if we really focus on the numbers and when I looked at the statistics and I don't know if you saw this, Ken, because I know I sent them to you the other day, but heart disease right now has killed 695,547 people. And that is a lot of people. And, you know, this is still in the United States. And, you know, when you're looking at exercise, there are so many benefits that exercise has shown to help people minimize the chances of a heart attack. And, you know, some of it is unpredictable. I mean, you look at LeBron James's son, you know, on the 24th, he was playing basketball. He's 18 years old and he has he has cardiac arrest. And so it's something that that was not predicted. He's an 18 year old in great health and playing basketball, which is what he, you know, what he does. And this isn't something that's new, but we saw it with Damar Hamlin, you know, obviously a professional athlete, very, very um, good health, you think, but you know, what was his statistics? What was the medical background? Nobody really knows that information because of HIPAA, it's none of our business. However, if you're sitting on the couch, you're very sedentary, you know that you need to get up and walk around and you know that, you know, you get tired easily. These are big signs to tell you that you really want to start focusing on your heart and trying to get that, get out there and increase your exercise. Yeah. And I think we, we need, we do need to back up a little bit, Wendy, because if we're talking about, okay, the, the, the big topic of heart disease, um, and those are some big names that you brought up, but also the fact that we are talking about in, increasing or looking at incorporating exercise into your lifestyle. One of the first things we need to look at too is if there's any sign, you know, if you have a new client or if you or you yourself as as a listener here um, are looking at changing things up, adding things in, um, probably a good idea to go to your doctor and get a physical if you haven't, right? And sometimes if you tell the doctor what you're planning on doing or what you've been doing as of late, um, they might say, okay, well, before we do that, because you're a certain age or you have a certain genetic background or you have a certain history, let's go through, let's go through these additional tests. So they might want you to go through a stress test and see, okay, is your body ready? Not just from a muscular standpoint, but from a cardiorespiratory, cardiovascular standpoint, is your body ready to encounter the stress that you're about to impose upon it? So sometimes, you know, sharing with your, your medical professional, your general practitioner, whoever it is that you see for medical help and assistance, sometimes they'll say, okay, well, great idea. I'm hundred percent behind it. But before we do that, let's just make sure the coast is clear and you're able to do these things. Cause like you said, Wendy, these athletes, you think they're healthy and sometimes they don't go through some of those tests or sometimes they do depending on the physical uh, requirements that a team might ask from them. But from that vantage point, yeah, it, it is unpredictable, but you know, if, if you can take an extra look under the hood, if you will, uh, and make sure things are good to go, then why not? Yeah. And, and some signs and symptoms, because you know people often ask, well, how do you know? They say that, you know, your client says they're healthy or you feel healthy, but you know, if you start to notice that you're getting dizzy, like if you stand up really quickly and you get dizzy sometimes, but that's occurring more often, you're not sleeping well at night. You're having these weird sweats. Obviously you start feeling pain down the arm. 
Um, those are some signs that you definitely want to get in and or pain. I mean, any kind of chest pain, of course, you definitely want to go in right away. But just if you notice that these things are occurring more frequently, that's definitely when you want to go in and see a physician. But when we're looking at the benefits of exercise, you know, it is is shown to be something that can really help someone who as is at a higher risk decreases those chances. And, you know, number one, exercise regularly. That sounds great. Get a trainer if you don't know what you're doing, right? And really start to incorporate cardio. And it doesn't have to be vigorous activity from the start. Starting light, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, really thinking about the exercise programming that you're doing, thinking about the type of cardio that you feel your body can withstand at that po that point, and then start pushing yourself as you become more, more um, accustomed to the different movement patterns and your body is, is recovering better and you're sleeping better and you're starting to see positive changes. Moderate your weight. And what happens when somebody starts to become overweight? They're at a higher risk of these, you know, of having a heart attack or having some issue with the heart. And so monitoring your weight, maintaining a good weight by knowing what your BMI is. Again, that's just a number, but it gives you an idea if you're not sure of where you stand. Balanced diet. What are you eating? And make sure that, you know, you clean up your diet. If you smoke, stop. <laughs> and then avoid drinking and, you know, and if you're going to drink, drink in moderation, be smart with your choices. Uh, going out and getting hammered every night is definitely not very good for the heart. And so, you know, and many other things, but... bad choices on all the other things. You don't wake up. You want to eat things that you shouldn't be eating late at night. You're not going to sleep well. You're not going to definitely want to work out the next day. So drinking can also lead to very bad choices in so many aspects. Right. And I, I think, uh, you know, the, the one point about monitoring, you know, how you start or, or your intensity is what you're talking about, whether it's getting on the treadmill, going outside for a walk or a jog run, uh, lifting weights. One of the one of the things that uh, I started, uh, well, not started, but really paying more attention to um, as far as the intensity is going is, is actively encouraging my clients to start to wear their heart rate monitors. So since I started using um, my Garmin, uh, as far as looking at the intensity of my workouts, I can see where, how high, how hard I'm working. And sometimes, right. So, you know, I look at it like, ah, oh, okay, that's a little high. Right. And, you know, as, as a lot of us do, you just think, okay, muscular wise, I can still keep going. My heart still pumping. I'm still breathing. And I'm not to that point, like you said, Wendy, to where if I don't feel like I'm passing out, I'm not working out hard enough. Right. right? So this is where we can start to get into overtraining, but using uh, some kind of heart rate monitor, um, for me, it's just my my Garmin and I'm using that to watch. And then I can look at, okay, now it's time for me to recover between sets. That way my next set can be just as vigorous and intense as the first set without going too hard. So when it comes to a client that's starting to work out or their, or their doctor said, well, let's try and keep this nice and moderate. And you notice they, they start going into the red zone, whatever that red zone might be. Um, and you say, okay, well, let's, let's take it down a notch. Let's slow it down. Let's shorten up your strides. Let's bring down the, the incline on the treadmill, whatever it is that you're using. And then this is, this is one way we can objectively look at, okay, we do want to challenge, but we don't want to challenge too much. And, you know, this way we are staying, with, staying within our safe parameters as we would consider them for that stage of their training. So whether that be from, a, you know, 
doing some kind of cardio or even resistance training because a lot of times we don't if you're not wearing a lot of people aren't conditioned to our heart rate monitor when they actually lift weights so they they don't realize how much or how high their heart rate is going mm -hmm. and there's so many different you know watches now that you can actually set where it'll start to indicate you know obviously you seem stressed out or your heart rate is elevated and so there are so many different useful tools out there too that uh, you know if, if you feel like you're a candidate and it's something you want to look into i would definitely suggest that but you know today here on random fit myself wendy bats and ken miller talking about the um impact of physical activity on mortality. Of course, we just talked about, you know, coronary artery disease being the number one killer. But number two, and this one hits home for me, is cancer. And when you look at the numbers of cancer, it was 605,213 people. Uh, and again, these are just some, some numbers that were shot up. And it depends on the time of year that you're looking at it. But these were the most recent figures that I found. And that's a lot of people. And unfortunately, you know, we hear of all these different types of cancer. However, looking through the different research, there has shown to be such a huge, huge benefit for people that have cancer or people that are going through treatment. Of course, you have to be very careful and cleared. But there was a um, there was a research article that was in uh, the JAMA Internal Medicine. And there's the top three cancers that we know of. Um, but the there's what is it uh, liver cancer stomach cancer kidney cancer leukemia uh, blood cancers cancers of the head and the neck the bladder the lung you name it there's all shown positive benefits when you start to increase your activity with individuals that have cancer or to think of it as a preventative for cancer and you know if you're looking at physical activity that's also going to be associated with lower estrogen levels and insulin levels both of which are going to lower your risk of types of cancer. So there are so many positive benefits that exercise can have. And unfortunately, you know, when, when you think of cancer patients and they're going through treatment and radiation, they are unfortunately losing some of the, um, they're going to tell you not to work out for a while because of what's happening within the body. It's trying to, you know, to help itself heal. And if you go out too hard, it cannot, you know, it can be, I don't know, it's not as beneficial. You want to make sure that you get cleared with your doctor right. if you are going through treatment, because, you know, you're going to be thinking about how is your body going to react to this? And, you know, your body's going to heal itself after every workout. But if you're going through intensive treatment, you may have to wait until that treatment's over. However, once you have gotten cleared and you've gone through treatment, increasing and adding exercise has been shown to be so, so good for you. Yep. And again, as a as a fitness professional, you you do want to have a good as well established line of communication on all front all fronts, whether it's with the surgeon, the radiologist, the the doctor. And knowing also what medications that the uh, client might be taking, because there there might be, um, you know, they might have had to eat with the medication, or they might, um, you know, sometimes dizziness might be a side effect of the medication. So understanding when somebody, you know, again is is recovering from cancer, they are now starting to incorporate exercise into their into their daily lives. Now we want to look at, okay, well, when's the best time to, you know, when they do decide to 
that it's a good time for them to start exercising. Okay, is it should we do this before your next meal or should we wait for you to eat and then, you know, with your medication and then exercise maybe an hour or two after that? So timing, um, things like that do need to be considered, especially, you know, what's their energy level gonna, going to be like? You know, is this a, a good time even though they're, you know, the side effects might be at the lowest? You still have to look at how they feel because you do want to get the most out of them versus, you know, I've had situations where I've had a client, you know, we we just have to take our breaks or it's like, okay, maybe we just do a half hour session today. So you also have to be malleable when it comes to um, how you incorporate physical stress into the body, especially like you said, Wendy, their their body is trying to recover from a, another perspective. But mm -hmm. stress, you know, you can look at stress is stress. Right, and the body needs to cover, recover in, in whatever way you can. You just don't want to put stress on top of stress, right? Uh, right? If, if that if that's at all possible. Well, and, you know, throughout this study, and, and there are so many different studies out there on cancer and exercise and the benefits, but in this particular one, they, you know, they were talking about that it actually um, reduced cancers um, up to about 20% there was a lower risk of, of um, these 13 cancers specifically that they measured with exercise and weight main, maintenance that we talked about. I mean, that is going to be very, very important. Someone's immune yeah. system, like you said, I mean, you know, you've got to know medication, but you also have to know how, what, how is their immune system affected? And so even, you know, movement is medicine. We've talked about that in the, in previous podcasts. We know that that's something that is uh, good for you and your body. But even though someone's going through treatment or somebody might have been diagnosed, it doesn't mean that they should stop all exercise and sit home. You want to challenge the brain, challenge the body, but you really need to be smart. So you want to speak to a doctor. You want to speak to different individuals that specialize in this. However, um, it is something that I feel and I say it hits home. I've got cancer runs in my family and you name it. It's yeah, been there. Yeah. And so it's it hits all of us at one point, whether it's friends, family, and, and if you know how to, to work with these types of individuals that maybe have been diagnosed, and there are going to be certain things that somebody can and cannot do. For example, if someone has, you know, breast cancer, and they've had a bunch of lymph nodes removed, they've, you know, they have swelling, numbness, tingling, different things occurring, even after surgery, and they've been cleared, you have to be very, you know, specific with your exercise choices. You may want to use more dumbbells because they'll be stronger on one side than the other, but it doesn't mean that it's something that they shouldn't work through as long as they were cleared. That's something completely different than someone who may have prostate cancer or, you know, some type of cancer in another region. You may have to avoid certain movements for a period of time, depending on if there was surgery involved and, the, and so forth. Yeah. And I, and I think that's that's a really good point that you bring up there, Wendy, because sometimes, yeah, there, surgery is a is a part of it. And, you know, there's scar tissue and there's going to be mobility issues. So the, the idea of, OK, accommodating, you know, what the right side can do versus what the left side can do. So dumbbells, great idea uh, on that side of things. But we again, if you're working with somebody who's post um, diagnosis and they're on that recovery um, side of things, then. Again, now you have to treat it like an injured athlete, 
if you will, when it comes to, okay, what, what are some of the um, discrepancies or the differences between the right side and left side? So, you know, as we've talked about the assessment process and looking at corrective exercise, again, corrective exercise might not be a bad way to start because considering that you are working on stability, it's a lower intensity, slower pace, you can be more internally uh, focused as far as your balance, uh, looking at your intrinsic stabilizers, core work, you know, going back to the foundations and the fundamentals of establishing proper movement, not a bad way to start when it comes to somebody, again, reintegrating back into exercise, especially after uh, disease or cancer, as we're talking about, but also from the standpoint that, okay, the body is compromised because if there was an invasive procedure like surgery, again, that that might be, you know, a, a, the more immediate concern when it comes to, okay, where do we get this person to start? Yep. And, and today, you know, we've talked about heart disease, number one, number two, leading cause of death, unfortunately, is cancer. And, you know, another one that's very high up there is strokes, Ken. So when we're thinking about yeah. cerebrovascular diseases, um, you know, that's 162,890 people, if you will, um, which is a lot of people. But we talk about the importance of brain health and, you know, regular activity that you do is going to lower um, the risk of developing some kind of cognitive impairment. And, you know, think about how you're getting oxygen to the brain. Think about, you know, all the stimulation that's going on when you're challenging. We talk so much about balance and coordination mm -hmm. and doing different, different types of exercises and thinking through different movement patterns. Like we've got, you know, clients that are seniors doing the speed ladder. They have to think through the different movement patterns and you have to challenge the brain but if you've had a, a client that or yourself that has gone through um, and unfortunately you've had a stroke, there, it's, there's so many benefits to showing that if you start to add exercise back into your life and your program, that it's only going to help further your development and further your ability to live your normal life, especially if there was any kind of complications that happened. And, you know, unfortunately, we hear more and more people have had a stroke and then they're they're really worried about increasing their heart rate. When if you look at the research, it actually shows it can be very, very beneficial. Yeah. And and post stroke, you know, there are a lot of times, um, again, that process, you know, the cognitive, the cognitive work, integrating, OK, asking them questions, making them think a little bit, um, a lot of it when it comes to um, challenge them mentally as well as physically. But understand too, that there, there is usually a, a rehabilitative side. So they're going to um, a physical therapist, um, an occupational therapist to relearn certain movement patterns. Um, so uh, integrating into something that you're gonna do on your own. Okay, if you don't have a personal trainer, that's that little handoff from that controlled rehabilitative setting into your own life, right? Okay, well, how can you translate a lot of that rehabilitative work into what you're gonna do on your own, in your own house, in your own garage, wherever it is that you're gonna pursue those exercise um, components of your, of your new life. But if you're with a personal trainer, understanding, okay, these are this is where I'm starting off with, or this is where I'm starting off, post rehabilitation, whether again, whether it's physical therapist, occupational therapist, and okay, this is how we're going to do this at the gym. Uh, or if you're a trainer working with somebody virtually, or even going to someone's house, right, knowing where they've gone, or where they've come from, and, and finding out the, you know, as best a progression process as you can, 
integrating them into, you know, the gym or the health club environment is going to be very important because, yeah, there, there are going to be those differences and you're going to have to have communication and get the okay that they're okay to do some things, especially if, you know, you go from rehab and then some rehab and some personal training or some guidance and then into just personal training. So, yeah. Yes. Challenge the brain. Think of the brain as, you know, you've got the heart as your main muscle, but the brain's telling it what to do, right? <laughs> so yeah. we want to think, you know, and we're bringing up all of these diseases because these are some of the risk factors and the number one killers of people. And it, and when you're looking at that in, in relationship to exercise and the benefits of preventative, you know, preventative of some of these diseases or what happens after the fact, sometimes like you said, you know, genetically, you just you just drew the short straw and you ended up with some things that unfortunately you, you can't help, but it doesn't mean you give up. And another one that is out there is the chronic lower respiratory diseases. Uh, the one that's the most familiar that you hear all the time is COPD. And that's about when you're looking at the numbers, 142,342 people. And so you know, that's a lot of individuals and some of it is self-induced if you've smoked in the past. However, there are also individuals that are born with, you know, lung deficiencies and they just weren't developed correctly and they've been struggling to breathe. However, you need to challenge your lungs. And, you know, there's a ton of research showing that, you know, this, if you exercise, especially with someone with, with a um, disease such as COPD, it's going to reduce inflammation, um, pulmonary inflammation, a, a systemic inflammation, alleviate symptoms, and can actually pre prevent the disease to pro like progression. And so all of that is really important when you're thinking, okay, it doesn't have to be more than 30 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be something like I'm asking you to run a marathon. Doing a little bit of something, as Rick Ritchie says, is better than a whole lot of nothing. And so even if they have to be on oxygen and you're working with any individual mm -hmm. or if this is you that we're talking to and you're listening and you're like, I have this and it's, it's debilitating, increasing and doing exercise programs can be so beneficial and can help it from getting worse. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, we're talking about the impact of physical activity on mortality here on Random Fit with both Wendy Best and I, Ken Miller and COPD, uh, you know, just to continue that, yeah, I've had I've had uh, a couple clients actually with um, with COPD, and one of them had to she had to roll a tank with her, Wendy. As you're mm -hmm. mentioning, she had the she had the hose that goes you know just right under her nose, and so you know so for us it was an occasional treadmill, um, but a lot of times she did the recumbent bike. So if you don't know what a recumbent uh, stationary bike is, it's basically a, a a bike where you're sitting back and the pedals are are out in front of you so she you know that was something more to her level because it wasn't too exhausting she can stay on there longer um which was great as far as building the endurance before she would tuck her out but again for her relatively speaking it was she just i just uh, just pedal hard enough to keep the monitor on you know, you know how a lot of times with those electronic. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If if you don't pedal hard enough or fast enough, you don't get enough speed to to turn on the monitor because it doesn't think that anybody's on there. But that was the challenge to her, and she, you know, and she did fine. But with with this, it, it is easy to 
for a lot of people to assume that if you got a respiratory issue, then, you know, it's a result of smoking for, for decades. But for these two clients that I had a chance to work with, um, not, neither one of them had a, one cigarette in their whole life. This was just like, you, as you said, Wendy, it, this was, this was the cards that they were dealt and they just had to live with it. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the key there is just be, per, you know, be reasonable, real and reasonable when it comes to where they start. Don't be in a hurry to push them because just know that anything that they do above what their norm is, is going to, is going to help improve their, their current physical situation. And when I was in college, I did one of my internships was actually in cardiac rehab. And you think cardiac rehab is just looking at the heart, but it wasn't. We, we dealt with stroke um, patients. We dealt with people that had had heart attacks, people that um, have, uh, like you said, COPD or some kind of lung issue. And the number one thing is exactly what you said. Don't push yourself too hard. However, one of the things that I want to point out is that I hear so many people, especially in our field, that are looking for a challenge. They're looking for their niche. They're looking for the next thing to really change the world. And I would say that that was one of the most rewarding things that I had have ever done is working in that environment, getting to know these individuals. And every single day that they came in, they were, you know, felt deflated and defeated and they were challenged. But then when they left, just looking at emotionally and physically and just the, the demeanor change within 30 to 45 minutes of being there right. because somebody was there to help them and they yeah. felt better and they were moving better. And some of the aches and pains that you get when you just sit around and, and people have given up. And so it is a, there's a career out there for you. If this is something that interests you and this is the population you want to work for. Plus there's a lot of people that need help. I'm listing all of these numbers of deaths, but think about these individuals that have been diagnosed with some of this and we don't want them to be the next statistic that I read because I just increased it by a number. Right. And again, health span over lifespan. And right. again, and, and that's going to be relative, right? So if you can, if you can improve not just the recovery process from whatever the situation is that we've been describing so far in this podcast, um, you know, if you can improve the, the quality of, of the life after the event, um, that's huge. That and you know, just just to see some of my, I mean, because not all of my clients, especially coming from any one of these situations that you brought up, Wendy, not that, you know, some of them stay, some of them don't. But my goal is not to keep a client forever. My goal is to get somebody independent of me. If I do my job right, Wendy, the way I see it, it's like I, I'm in some cases I'm failing if I get you to stay with me because you depend on me. Right. Yeah. But, for, but then yeah. again, I, you know, I've got clients that depend on me and I know can go out on their own. But <laughs> still, they just like to be bossed around and told what to do. They don't want to have to think yeah. through it. And that's, I think, why they keep coming back. And, you know, the last one I really want to mention, because unfortunately, this is one that we hear about more often is diabetes. Right. And diabetes, I'm telling you guys, if you can get, if you know of a diabetic, whether it's type one or type two, get them exercising. And, Ken and I are both going to tell you, unfortunately, we're seeing more and more youth getting diagnosed with type two diabetes because of the lack of movement, the poor health choices, technology, and them not getting outside and, and being active. So this is really hitting home to our youth as well. But the numbers that that I saw for this, again, were pretty astonishing. It was one hundred and three thousand two hundred ninety four people. Uh, that have have died, of, you know, from diabetes. And if you're looking at a bunch of the different research, guys, 
the, the whole purpose of, of really trying to help someone work out and the benefits of exercise is that being active is going to make you more sensitive to insulin, which is the hormone that allows the cells in your body to use blood sugar for energy. It's going to man, it's going to help you manage your diabetes. And so physical activity helps control your blood uh, sugar levels, which is super, super important, but it's also going to lower your heart disease which unfortunately comes hand in hand a lot of times with diabetics. Right. You know, and something that a, a, an associate of ours said, you know, eventually diabetes does lead to heart disease, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have heart disease, but you do have diabetes uh, unmanaged, it will, it'll lead to that sooner than later, but it is an inevitability. But like, it, like what we're talking about right now on this, on this episode of Random Fit, again, talking about physical activity, uh, impact on mortality. It, if we can keep that at bay, then you're delaying, you know, what can be the inevitable, but you're just going to delay it as, as long as you keep up those habits. But, mm -hmm. you know, the thing about diabetes, again, with, with, um, with a lot of people I know, they just, they have a genetic predisposition. Um, like my, I'll, I'll share with you guys now, I've my going into my, my great grandfather, my, my, one of my great grandparents, um, and then, you know, into, into my, into the lineage of my, you know, my uncles and aunts, it's, it's kind of, it's sprinkled in there, but you know, the, I guess one of the things that does happen, it's just, okay. Mobility starts to suffer. You know, if you, if it's one of those where circula circulation, uh, again, diabetes can be a contraindication for certain things like, uh, like self myofascial technique. Again, if you have circulatory, circulatory issues, again, um, neuropathy where you, you can't feel some things in the extremities uh, to where, again, limbs, you know, have to, you know, you have to reconsider whether or not a limb should or should not be a part of your body anymore because yeah. of the lack of circulation. Uh, vision. So the quality of life just with diabetes, you know, can suffer if it's if it doesn't go if it doesn't go if it goes unmanaged. But again, as we're talking about in this episode of Random Fit, we are talking about, okay, if you exercise, if you work on your, your uh, cardiorespiratory training, if you are strength training, if you are working on balance, if we're, if we're looking at, um, uh, you know, challenging ourselves in, in multiple planes of motions at different speeds and keeping the nervous system involved, we can offset that. We can hold those things off to an extent, or even if it's there, we can still keep the nervous system as part of as integrated into your total body as you can. But when it comes to diabetes, again, a lot of the, I, I feel like a lot of the focus goes into diet and nutrition, but exercise sometimes takes, you know, the backseat of what you can do to offset the signs and symptoms or how it's outwardly expressed um, physically. Cause I mean, I, I have a friend actually, you know, you know him too, Wendy, that, you know, both his parents were, you know, have diabetes and both were on a certain set of medication. But after a year of diet and nutrition, okay, diet, nutrition and exercise, um, they were able to get down from three different medications for diabetes down to one. And even that one was half or a third of the original dose that they had to take, okay, from, from the start of watching what they ate and making sure that they move. So life, your life can change when, when you, when you make, decide to make changes. 
So you're saying exercise should be included in your lifestyle. <laughs> I, I think so. Rumor yes. has it. Rumor, Rumor has, has it. it. And, and, you know, this, these aren't topics that, that I like to bring up when you're looking at all these stats and nobody likes to hear and, and listen to people that have unfortunately had different types of diseases. However, they're there. And these numbers, like I said, you know, they are, I, sh I keep saying that they're growing, they're growing in certain populations and they are declining. Like in some European countries, you've seen kind of a decrease in some of this. So socioeconomical changes that you're making, you know, health, health and lifestyle choices are going to be super, super important, but just do something a little bit of, of walking or working out or going to the gym. It's good for your mind, your body, your spirit, everything. Uh, you know, I haven't seen anything negative really against exercise and anything that we've looked at. And, you know, Ken, I appreciate your stories and, and you talking through this because, you know, we we unfortunately keep hearing more and more stories about some of these diseases popping up in our families and, and with our friends. So it is concerning because it is out there. But just the big thing is, is if you have had any of these diseases, don't ever give up. Just keep working on yourself, bettering your lifestyle, really increasing um, some sort of activity that you're doing. And um, just know that there are a lot of people out there, especially trainers that can help you if you're not working with one, or if you are a trainer, maybe look into specializing, you know, in some of these diseases that we talked about, because there are people out there that really need your help. Yeah. And again, specialization, I mean, there's a lot of courses out there, but I just start off with, with reading, right. Communicating, learn, you know, go straight to the source, talk to the doctors, um, talk to the patients, uh, your clients. And, you know, again, remember, and, and you said it, Wendy, so there's definitely a human factor behind it. And, you know, you can't get to the numbers and the statistics without going through the person first is the way I like to see it. So I thought, uh, Wendy, that we covered a lot of great information here. And hopefully those that, you know, are looking at getting into exercise or those that are experiencing maybe some of the things that we've talked about, you know, can, can now be more motivated or, you know, as soon as you log off of this podcast, you know, go straight to the gym or go to your doctor and make sure it's okay for you to do so. So <laughs> uh, as always, Wendy, um, always good talking to you um, and learning from you and your experiences with, with the topic, especially uh, the, the impact of physical activity on mortality. So for those of you listening to us here on Random Fit, um, like, follow, subscribe, download, share, let us know what you want us to talk about, and we'll do the best we can to get that information to you via, via Random Fit. So until next time, everybody, take care and be well.